Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We have a great one for you today. Hunter Pence is joining me here in just a minute. Obviously, the accolades on the field are awesome. He's a four-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, but he was just one of the most fun and exciting players in the game to watch, and he did it all in his own way his own shape, and it was a blast to watch. So we will talk to him about that and so much more. So let's get to him now and welcome in Hunter Pence. Hunter, thank you so much for joining me, man. Hey, Ben, great to be here. Thanks for uh, the great intro. That's uh, that's quite a bang. <laughs> I, I mean that. And, and I want to get into a little bit later what you're doing now. But let's start with your baseball career and, and kind of where that all began. You, you know, you're you're a little kid from from Arlington, Texas, little hunters growing up. How did you get in to the game of baseball? How did you fall in love with the game of baseball from a young age? Well, things have changed a lot since I was a kid. And uh, it, we've had a lot of, uh, I mean, just uh, technology's exploded. But when I was a kid, there wasn't like um, a lot of the different shows and technology and all of that that's out there. But how I got into and fell in love with baseball, is I, I have pictures of me in a baseball uniform before I remember playing. But I think it was when I was nine, we went on a road trip to Iowa and we played in this tournament and I think hanging out in a hotel, traveling with your friends, uh, playing against people from other states, no other sport that I played did I really like travel like that. And um, I just remember we would all like dye our hair blonde or whatever and or, or shave our heads or <laughs> yep. whatever the case may be. But that camaraderie is what really made me fall in love with baseball. I love that. And then you end up, you know, moving on to, to college and you kind of stay in the area you stay you go to juco first and then end up at a at university of texas arlington right yeah that's correct uh i uh so in high school um you know right down the street like two blocks from my high school was university of texas arlington and they had at the time when i was going into college uh, daniel ortmeyer and they're like look we think that you're going to be great uh go play a year in junior college and oh wow and, once Daniel Ortman, he went in the third round. He made it to the big leagues uh, for the Giants as well. And, uh, and then they were like, once he gets drafted, we'd like to bring you in. So I had made like a verbal commit, um, ran into, which it was hard actually, because I love Texarkana Junior College so yeah. much when I was there and like, you know, got really close with everyone there. Um, but our head coach ended up leaving. So it was hard to leave that because I wanted to be there for two years, but I had also made the commitment. And then my brother, uh, randomly was playing for UT Arlington as well. So it was cool oh, wow. to, to play with him. Yeah. I know you got to face your brother and, and you took, you know, you took him deep. Yeah. What'd you uh, do? And he just, he's, he dominated me. I never got a hit off my brother. He, you know, <laughs> he's like three and a half years older and he just has that big brother domination on me, but, uh, he struck me out like every time. And I remember telling him this is before, like, even we knew about cutters. I was like, man, you didn't throw me a fastball. Those were all sliders. And he's like, those were all my fastballs. So I guess he had a cutter that he didn't even know he had. <laughs> That's I, I just had to get to him early. I, I saw one pitch off of him in my career and I called it quits after I hit it out and that I wasn't going back. I wasn't going to push my luck there. Were you recruited heavily out of high school? Like, or, or did you always want to stay in the area? Uh, no, I wasn't really recruited that heavily until I think uh, the year I had at Texarkana. So I, I committed to UT Arlington verbally, but 
nobody really knew that. And I had a pretty good year in junior college. We did really well. And that's when it was like, they were like, wait, you're going to UT Arlington. You could go, you could go wherever you want to go. And um, I just felt like it was the right thing to honor my word. Um, you know, I had an opportunity and, and I think the one place that I would have probably gone if I didn't go to UT Arlington was maybe Rice just because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great baseball school and, and a yeah, good education, absolutely. but uh, I, I, I just feel that your word has to mean something. And, and I was, I was really happy. I went to UT Arlington. They gave me a great opportunity. It's a wonderful school. And uh, yeah, I'm very thankful to be a part of that, that franchise, how, that how, college. How cool was it for you at that point, you end up going to UT Arlington, having a great career there and then getting drafted by the Houston Astros, just, you know, theoretically down the road. I know it's a couple hour drive, but pretty close. How awesome was that for you to be drafted by an organization that is based just not too far from your home? Yeah, it was really cool. It was pretty special. And um, yeah, I was, I was definitely thrilled and it was just, just such a wonderful organization run really well. And uh, I remember at the time, and, and like I said, this is before a lot of the networks and there was much coverage or information out right. about baseball. It was a lot more secretive. There wasn't, you know, all of this knowledge. So I was always really excited. I was like, when I get to pro baseball, they're going to teach me all the stuff and I'm going to learn so much. Cause I was one of those, like, you could call me like a tinker and like, I wanted to be taught. I wanted to change. I was always like le learning and switching it yeah. up. And, uh, uh, basically I got there and they're like, we're not going to tell you anything. Just go play. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> and, and knowing what I know now, that was like, that was so next level to just like, let them be free instead of like, over, you know, sometimes you can get in the way of someone through over coaching or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, the, the Astros organization was at the time and, and the way they ran it with, you know, Sean Barry being the head hitting guy and uh, everyone that was a part of that just kind of let me be free. And and I don't know if you've seen me play, Ben, it's ugly. I don't know how you even coach what I do, but uh, yeah, it worked out. So let me ask you this because everything that you do is, you know, you don't do it the conventional way. It's a little different. It's a little quirky. And, and to be honest with you, I, I'm not just saying this. I, I was the same way. I didn't have the normal arm flow when I threw from the outfield. It was kind of shot putty. That's just kind of the way it was. And my swing, when I got drafted, had like a weird little hitch in it. And I remember getting to pro baseball. And the first thing they told me is, yeah, that we're going to have to fix that. But we're going to let you do you and see how it goes. And then my first half season in, in uh, low A, in short season, I was an all-star. And it went great. So obviously, they don't say anything. The second half, I struggle. I end up going to instructs, and then that's when they're like, okay, you're going to change this, this, and this. Did the Astros organization see you and, and ever try and change who you were, change the way you went about things? Because it's always been a little different. Did they try and change that? No, the only thing they were working on was getting me to throw more over the top, and uh, that ended up what we found out much later in my career is that I actually have a spinal thing, Schumann's. And then I also, when I was in high school at, at, at a Rangers game, I went rolling down. There's like this hill that people will roll down. And uh, I ended up separating my shoulder, rolling down a hill too fast. In a, oh in my a race. God. And so like my shoulder never really came back kind of correct. So like, I just couldn't get it over the top and it was hurting. So that was the only thing they were, uh, they were trying to change. And then they're like, well, you throw pretty hard and you're pretty accurate. They were like, yeah, they even stopped doing that. They were just like, yeah, just just get out there and play. And, uh, you know, they, they, ha they, they actually kind of held me back a lot. Like, not, and, and I think it was intentional because I would I was like a little bit of an overworker and they would like only let you have a certain amount of time in the cage and, you know, they'd kick me out and only a certain amount of time in the weight room. Uh, I remember I would uh, I would go and get my own weight room. Uh, you know, memberships or whatever, because I was just like, that's not enough. <laughs> I was just, I was a little, I, I wanted it so bad. And, and sometimes, you know, that can get in the way. Yeah. So you come up through a great organization with so many guys there. I mean, Biggio, I mean, there, there's so many names that are in the Astros organization. Did you try and when you first got into the organization, I mean, you're a second round pick. It's a pretty high draft pick. You're, you're able to talk to guys. Did you try and talk to any of them and, and, and pick their brain and, and figure out how they do things? Or were you always, this is how I do it, this is how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be successful that way? 
No, I, I, I was 100% like I had a notebook. I, I wanted to interview them. I wanted to go to breakfast. I wanted to learn all of their secrets. And, and what was cool is uh, I, I, I talked to even people from other teams and stuff. And, and the thing that I found out after a couple of years of doing this is that a lot of times when I try to do something someone else's way, I actually would get worse. And not to say they, like, not to say that they had bad information. It's that I needed, like there was maybe a, a gym from each one of them that worked for me. And then there were some things that didn't work for me. So what I ended up finding out is that you have to know yourself and you have to find out what works for you. But by being the scientist and like going out and like trying to learn from everyone, I just took a little bit from each one and, and, and saw which ones worked for me. And the other thing that's like really fun when you like really dive deep into hitting is that you realize that like your arms and your body, like, you know, your height and your, and, and how, like the length of your arms, it's going to change. Like, so you can't, you know, right. I can't go and hit like Justin Turner. Like when I went to work with Doug Lotta uh, or Marlon Bird is another one that, uh, you know, was really into that whole swing tech. I'm doing a similar thing and there's some biomechanics that have to align, yeah. but there's different postures for my flexibility, for my range of motion, for Absolutely. my length of arms. So um, I had to, when I, when it finally came together for me, when I made that adjustment was when I realized that I had to change things slightly for me and then follow the the actual physical principles of like obviously physics uh this was i wish i knew this stuff when i was younger but just keeping your hands tight to your body and not casting how much power you get so it was really crazy how little effort and how far you can hit the ball when you do it right so who this is hunter pence pulling out his notebook as a young kid trying to talk to people who are who are some of these people in this notebook who were you going to and talking to you said even guys from other teams were involved in this yeah, I think one of, one of my favorite players of all time was Barry Bond. So while he was while he was still playing with the Giants, I, I set up a, a, a breakfast with him and it was really oh, nice of so him cool. to to show up and, and talk hitting with me. And, uh, you know, because we had the we, we had the same agency. And uh, so Barry was one Lance Berkman, Carlos Lee, Bagwell, Biggio. Um, not all <laughs> of them did I like go Darren Erstead. Not all of them did I like go to like you know, out to lunch, like I did with like with bonds, but a lot of them, I would just, you know, like really pick their brains about everything. And, and Bagwell and Berkman, and even Carlos Lee, one thing that I realized throughout my career, which is crazy is the best hitters in the world hit the least. Like they don't sit there. <laughs> there's very few that hit a ton that are exceptional. Like Pablo is, is one of the exceptions that he hit a ton, Pablo Sandoval, yeah. and and was was like that elite, elite, elite. But like Chase Utley, very little work in the cage. You know, Carlos Lee, very little. Berkman, little. Bagwell, Bagwell said that he knew his career was over when he was headed to the cage early. Like you know, so <laughs> Buster Posey, they 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 all think you hit too much, and they just they they do they make perfect practice perfect. Yeah, very little, very limited, because they're like you're gonna hit yourself into a slump. You're gonna hit, fight, you know, like you're gonna overthink it. So there's an old saying: a thinking mind is a heavy bat, but. For me, I, I remember telling uh, Aubrey Huff once, he was like, man, you hit so much. And I was like, well, if your swing looked like mine, what would you do? <laughs> like, you're right. I, I think it's natural. Like, you go 0 for 4 in a game, you punch out three times, and you're like, man, I got to get in the cage. And it just makes so much sense. Like, why would you do that? You just had a bad game. You were doing something incorrectly. So you're just going to go to a cage and repeat those bad habits. So it makes sense. Like, when you're going good in a cage, when you're going good in BP, stop you figure it out if you're not just also stop like just stop, stop taking so many slings it's a, it's a delicate balance for sure and uh you know i think jim Tomey had one of the best comments i've ever had with, regarding that he said when i go over four i go home and i get better because i'm mad and i come back and i know i'm better and just <laughs> that that perspective of like that over four just made me better and you know if you read like some of the like mental keys to hitting the harvey dorfman stuff uh, they would talk about like going, some of the great hitters would go home and their outs, they would replay them in their imagination and, 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 and like turn them into hits. Like, how do I barrel that ball that I missed? And like, what does it feel like? So for me, I wish I would have done that more because I think that that was really powerful and I did it some, uh, but I was kind of like, oh, it's not going right. I got to hit until I figure it out. 
And that can just lead to worse habits because you just, you keep, you know, you create this muscle memory of a tired body swinging and that doesn't necessarily do you any good. So, yeah. um, and, and I would say that I did notice that usually the hotter I was, the less I was hitting in the cage as well. So I don't know why I didn't figure that out sooner. <laughs> hey, so the Astros organization has been dubbed, basically they were one of the first analytically to kind of change the game and really to dive into analytics. And I don't know if this was, too long ago, you're drafted back in, in 04 and you're in the minors 04, 05, 06. Was analytics a thing with the Houston Astros back then? Were they already getting into it or not at that point yet? No. So it's a whole new ownership. Uh, when I got traded to the Phillies, it was still under Drayton McLean. And, okay. uh, you know, and then I think it was, um, uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now, Crane. Crane, who, who purchased them and brought in yeah. kind of like, it was a really wild thing. It was like, he brought in all of his business people. They weren't baseball people. And they were like, we're going to data this. And uh, they definitely changed the game with all of that data. And uh, they, they kind of like traded every player. And then, and then right when they got all the first round picks, they, they built this 2017, you know, and they traded for, you know, your brother. And uh, they, they signed all the people right when all of like the Carlos Correa's and the Altuve and Springer, who was actually drafted when I was still there, but he was a really, really good pick, obviously. And um, they just timed it up really, really wonderfully. But no, unfortunately, when I was there, it was, uh, it was a different regime. Okay. And uh, I didn't get a, get to be a part of that. But uh, I did get to, I do think that the regime that drafted me was, was, I think they went to the Rays, did really well with the Rays. Um, and then I think they're now with the Dodgers, like that kind of like, the oh, wow. it. it was more, it, it was definitely a, uh, I think that's where they're, they might be with the Braves now. Um, I forget their, the names uh, off the top of my head, but I just have followed who, who it was that drafted me and they've been doing really well everywhere they've gone. It's funny, man. It sounds like the writing was on the wall for the analytical age as you were coming up and all the pieces were getting into place. And then it's just an absolute boom. What do you, what, I mean, what do you think about this analytical age of baseball? Hunter, I don't know if you, I, honestly, if, if this was around back when you were coming through, I don't know. People would probably say analytically, this isn't it where, you know, it, it's a different age now. What do you think about analytics in baseball? You know, um, I, I actually think that the analytics would be the ones that doesn't look necessarily at the mechanics it like i think point. the astros are termed of like white noise like the emotions and the what it looks like the the numbers on the page are the data so like they don't you know the, the, there's a weird thing where they're like we don't even know if we need scouts we're just going to put this thing that's going to measure what the pitcher oh, his wow. spin rate what the speed's coming the movement the location and then through that data we'll just know if we like them or not like so we're not looking at the size of the kid yeah. or because that's a thing so i would think that the data actually probably looked good for me because everything i did looked bad but i got to first <laughs> base really quick i hit the ball really hard i hit it far um i think that if you had like data on my swing plane i had a really bad my swing path was horrible throughout my career i was just my my whole goal like i didn't really know hitting until i got later in my career i just practiced a bunch and i was like I'm going to be stronger. I'm, I'm strong. I'm fast. I'm going to see the ball and I'm going to hit the ball. So it was just like a coordination. But I was, when, when I learned the math of like, of, of swing planes and matching the planes and the axis, I realized that I was hitting with like a window to hit the ball this much instead of a window to hit the ball. You can't even get that right. big. But you were in and out was, of the zone. Yeah. Yeah. So like half my swing was, was to the side, you know, and like you want all of your swing to be right in front where the contact point is. So, um, but the data, I think, was probably in my favor if if that's what you were looking at and, and my thoughts on the data is i think you take similar to what i did with all of the the people i was studying you know the Bertmans, yeah. the the lees the bonds is you take the 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 stuff that really works for you and and i the further i get into it the more exciting it becomes because you can use the data to make yourself a better player yeah. to make your team better and and i think you have to pay attention to that and and, and take the good and leave out what doesn't is kind of the fluff or whatever Nothing tells you you're on plane better than when you hit a baseball three times with one swing. That's how you knew, Hunter, that you were figuring out how to stay in the zone a little bit longer. Not exactly. That's how you know you got blown up by a fastball <laughs> and uh, the baseball gods have favored you for uh, love and passion. But no, that ball completely beat me, but I was on plane with it. Uh, because it, it felt like it felt like a lacrosse stick or something when I hit that ball. 
I was like, that was the weirdest feeling ever. It felt like it hit the ball and then I lacrosse it out of there. And because uh, it ha- in slow mo, it looks you know wild, but yeah, when it, it, it's like it's like a blink yeah, of an yeah. eye that that's happening. But it just felt like the ball rolled up my bat, and I've never seen a shortstop go. Uh, right and the ball go to his left like, it was so weird and the center fielder couldn't pick it up I don't know what happened that was like angels in the outfield but for the Giants <laughs> so you end up getting traded from the Astros to the Phillies first and then end up at your home in in San Francisco where you, the majority of your career took place and man you end up making four all-star teams what an awesome career do, do you have a favorite of those all-star games, 09, 11, 14, and 19. Does one stick out to you of like, man, that, that was the best. I mean, they were all, they're all so unique and special. Like it's like, it, you know, it's, it's tough to really say like, cause I think honestly the 19 season was like meant so much for like the work that I put in the, the, the road that I traveled uh, to turn it around from 18 to 19 to, to learn that new swing obviously it was sad that I was hurt and I was getting a bit older, but to go from like non-roster invite to not being, you know, to making the team to, you know, not being an everyday player to making an everyday player to like getting voted into starting the all-star game was just the wildest journey and going to winter ball was like one of the most pure, amazing uh, experiences of my life. Like I had the best time ever. I think everyone should uh, go and play in winter ball at, at some point because it's just, uh, it's just pure passion. Dude, and, and I've the, always heard the Dominican winter league is like nuts and so much fun. Oh my God. It's like baseball is like their religion. There's like every, every field is full of kids playing baseball. That's like so everyone cool. looks out for each other there. It, it'll definitely switch your perspective on uh, just humanity. They all look at each other as brothers and family. They look out for each other. The players are like feeding the kids, like you're handing them food when you get there and, and getting them tickets. And then like, we're hydrating the fans if they're, you know, like passing them gum or whatever. And uh, just, they all help each other out and they all look yeah. out for each other, but it's literally baseball from the second you go to breakfast, everyone knows everything. And, and, and Ben, <laughs> we, obviously you have like a lot of people that are going to tell you things like, about you know oh you need to stop swinging at the slider or oh they're gonna right. you, know, you got to stop swinging at the high one or or whatever like get whatever tips they're gonna give you in the dr everyone would give me tips and i would like kind of like take note and be like yeah yeah like you know i know this baseball thing but they would be spot on so like when i first got there they're like they're not gonna pitch you inside look away look away they're afraid because you know you big power and i was like okay and then i noticed they never threw me inside and then they're like okay you've hit away they're gonna come inside now get ready for inside and i was like all right I, I'm, I'm gonna listen to you <laughs> And then they just like were right on time with it. Like, okay, now's the time. They're gonna start coming in now. Now you yeah, gotta they be were, ready. They like, yeah, and like <laughs> everywhere you went, you you could be at like the the little convenience store. The the register person is like listening <laughs> to the radio of the baseball games, and and like it's always like, are you gonna win today? We gotta win today. Big game. Gotta win today. Like all day, every day, we gotta win That's today. Awesome. And like so every every game felt like just playoff game and and it might be like 10,000 fans in the stands or 12,000 fans in the stands but they are there's bands there's like they're rowdy they're like into every single strike and every single pitch matters because it's also like tougher to score out there the balls are soft and the ball doesn't fly so like the small ball goes a long way the pfps win and lose you the games most of the time because there's very it's very difficult to hit a homer so like bunts and like pass balls from the catcher getting the second like every single base they just go nuts so it's really fun. I, I can't help but think, Hunter, that your your last All-Star game was in 2019, which was your last full season, the year before the COVID year. What went into the decision for you to hang them up? I mean, you were still killing it. Well, you know, uh, the, the COVID thing happened, and I had, I was I was unsure if I was going to be able to play because I, I I didn't know what the injury was I was dealing with at the end of 2019. We hadn't yeah. diagnosed it. We thought it was my back. Come to find out it was my hip. And I was like, well, if I can get it working, then I'll sign a contract. And I found this, like I went to all sorts of different specialists, doctors, everything. I took like a, um, what is it, uh, epidural. I tried everything. Yeah. like it, And I just like was locked up and couldn't swing. And honestly, I I found this one guy in Houston that kind of fixed it. And I was able to like really train for a month. And then um, I was doing good in spring training. And then all of a sudden, like obviously COVID happened and training during the COVID break. And I was still in Arizona and I couldn't really, you couldn't really travel at the time. So I couldn't get back to that guy and I never was able to recover. So like 
I just couldn't make the move that I needed to make. My, my hip was really bad. And it actually took me like a year and a half after not playing to get to where I am today. So I think it was just your body tells you my, my soul was, uh, was, was happy and at peace with what happened in 2019. And I just like, I couldn't figure out that back hip thing. And, and I think it's probably from overwork, you know, swinging as hard as I can for so many years. And uh, it just like, it just fizzled out on me. So let me ask this then. Let's say the Giants are good right now. It's October 1st. Something happens on the roster. You never want to predict an injury, but something happens and they call Hunter Pence and they say, Hunter, we need you. How (laughs) retired are you, Hunter? Is there a chance of you coming back? I mean, I haven't really run. I mean, I've been surfing and I've been working out and I'm in good shape, but like running you know, I just, the, the hip just ain't having it anymore. So, uh, that, that ship has sailed. Uh, I wish, you know, but, uh, it's time to pass the torch and, and I am very happy and thankful covering. Um, I'm passionate about, you know, the opportunity to get to, you know, be the color analyst for Apple TV plus on Friday nights. And I got a great team. So I still have the passion and love for baseball. Uh, but surfing is my, my, my physical stuff right now. And I'm really having a blast with the surfing and then calling and loving and sharing the knowledge uh, is, is the next thing. So Twitch streaming and surfing, my friend. So, so we might see you in San Francisco in October. It might just be paddle boarding out in McCovey Cove. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not surfing, but uh, yeah, I, I've been out to McCovey Cove. I did that in 2020. It's a blast. So you just talked about it, and I want to talk about what you do right now uh, with Apple TV. Apple TV Plus, you're part of that brand new broadcast and part of the brand new crew, and it's never happened before. This is this is a first, and you are a part of it. Talk about that. Talk about how much fun it has been so far this year. Yeah, it is a blast, and and I really like the concept. And you know, you know, Ben, like baseball as a whole is like change is, is very slow to get used to. And, and it's a little yeah. different. It's not a, a, a lot different, um, but you know, it, it is a lot of fun to just, you know, share the knowledge, have a, such a, a great team, Steven and Katie. I think the more you get to know them, the more you'll fall in love with them. I think they're amazing. Obviously Heidi Watney, and it's just an absolute blast. It's a little tough to just parachute in only have one game and then peace out, uh, <laughs> you know, to win an audience that quick. Cause they have to switch their channel and whatnot. But it is such a unique opportunity to get to cover so much of uh, the different teams and get to do the research on all of them when you come in. Uh, I would say that, like, it's not the same as just being with the same team over and over and over again. You have to know everything about everyone. And uh, so that's the challenge is really fun. And um, but it also is just really fun to get to talk the game of baseball. And so I'm having the best time, as you can tell. So you were doing some stuff with the Giants before Apple TV, right? Like, it's not like you had just like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm getting thrown into this space and I'm doing this startup thing and it's going to be a big deal. You had done some stuff post-career, right? Well, yeah, I was doing pre and post for the Giants. I did okay. a little bit of the playoff series at MLB Network as well. And then uh, I called three games, two major league games and one uh, perfect game All-American. Uh, so I'd done a little bit of it. Uh, I really do like you know, doing the, uh, the color analysis, uh, broadcasting. I love it because it, to me, it's like every game is, is a new story. Every game is, is kind of like, uh, it's a musical, it's like an orchestra. And so, you know, I love the timing, the drama, the, the flow of the game and I love, yeah. and, and, and showing the personality uh, of the, of the players and, and having a player's perspective on what they're kind of going through and looking for. So uh, to me, I love like studying the game upside down, inside out and right side up. And so uh, it, you're probably, it, it's probably similar to my play style. You're not going to get what you expect. And uh, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, and looking at it, there's many ways to look at everything. So uh, I don't believe in absolutes, even in baseball. Yeah, the the experiences for you are certainly there and, and it and it shows. And I you know what's cool is I think it's you guys and, and your crew have gotten better every single game. I mean, from from the first one that I was at and I saw you in, in Anaheim, which obviously I was there watching, so I couldn't listen to that one. But everyone I do listen to, it sounds like you you guys get better and better and better. So I'm really excited for you, man. It, it's it's been a blast to listen to, and I'm pumped to see what you guys uh, come up with in the future. Uh, w- one thing I wanted to touch on is the World Series that you were a part of. You're a part of, uh, you won two of them. So I guess uh, which one between 2012 and 2014 
sticks out the, as is there a favorite? Because Hunter, I can promise you, I have a least favorite, and it's twenty twelve. <laughs> I know you have a least favorite. Uh, you know, honestly, they're they're both just like life changing moments. And the thing about winning a World Series is it's such a a bigger picture than yourself, right? Like there's so many moving parts and there's so many people that put their heart and soul and passion. And obviously it's all of the players, it's the staff, it's the scouting department, it's, you know, the ownership, you know, making the decision to buy in the fans, uh, you know, joining in. So to me, I, I think when those things happen, it, it's, it's very humbling because you realize that it's like, it's just, there's, there's so much out of your control. And I think Ryan Terrio said it best. Uh, he goes, we're going to win this world series and it has nothing to do with me and you. It has everything to do with those guys. And it was just like, our bullpen was historic. Our starting pitching was insane. And, you know, we just kind of, we weren't like this ultimate offense. We just played defense, yeah. played heart. And my whole thing when I was playing Ben was like, I'm all heart. I might not be the best player, but I play with heart and I, I love this game. So when I took the, the field every day, it was just, I'm going to play with love and I'm going to play with heart. And uh, there's no way you could say in 2012 that we were the more talented team than that, than that Detroit Tigers team. And I think, you know, numbers over the course of the career is crazy. We just locked in as a unit and uh, we just had just a gritty got, get hot at the right time kind of, kind of way. It was a, there was something special going on. There was something special going on that year. And it, and that was pretty evident. Is there a, is there a story from those World Series runs that sticks out to you? Obviously, there's tons of memories, but is there a story, a favorite story you have that sticks out? I mean, there's a million of them. There's a million <laughs> of them. Uh, it's so hard to really, I think, I think obviously the Ishikawa home run was insane. Oh my God, uh, that, that, insane. that night, so like Morse, I think, you know, he, he, he was on, obviously on the squad, is like first at bat in the playoffs, Boach is pinch hitting him to face Nishek, who had like a one sidearm righty, and, and oh, yeah. like we were we were down a run, and Boach is literally like, "Hey, I couldn't put you in a worse situation, but good luck." Like, <laughs> and Morse hits a homer and celebrates it like we already won the World Series, and then uh, obviously Ishikawa hitting the home run, PB can't even see that it went out. Like that was the most chaotic moment of all time, uh, and you know Bumgarner in in Kansas City, uh, Vogel song, I'm. I, I, and in 2012, when we were playing the Cardinals as well, uh, I just remember the the sunset. It was like purple uh, sky in San Francisco, and he was in the seventh or eighth, just cruising. And they were just chanting "Vogi," and uh, they were ripping the fence in right field where they tore it down. Like they ripped the fence down. They were going oh so God. nuts. It was awesome. <laughs> just absolute uh, pandemonium. That's awesome, Hunter. I, I read your the the Players Tribune article that that was written, and you said. When I sit here and think about my time in San Francisco, it gives me goosebumps. Why? What sticks I, out? I mean, there's just been so many crazy stories and the connections, the connection with the fan base. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's wild. It's hard to really explain. But, like, a lot of times the fans would in San Francisco would, would be like, hey, like, I know y'all are going through a tough time, but we believe in you. I remember, I remember for the first time, like, early when I got there, we lost the game and they're like, Hey, it's okay, guys. We love you. You're going to get them. You're gonna, like, <laughs> I never ever heard that anywhere else I played when you lose, they're not that happy, but uh, they just like support you. They love you. They, they encourage your personalities, you know, like to come out and uh, they're very, it's, it's, they're just wild. And they're all, they have all sorts of costumes right now. You're seeing captain hats everywhere for Baron and belt. You got Pablo Panda hats everywhere. Uh, the killer peas, people were in pea suits. They just like, they just get weird and they get crazy and they have fun. And they, the hundred pence signs went nuts. So um, we've just, they've all, they've always just been so creative and so wild and, and foot loose and fancy free. It's, it's a good time. It's a, and, and the ballpark, it, it's sacred ground. Like it's one of the most beautiful ballparks. I'm sure you've been there, Ben, if you haven't, you got to get there. It is my favorite. Around. It is my it's number so one. Beautiful. And, and there's just something special about, um, yeah, just even even in the bad seasons, the atmosphere is electric. Yeah, I was there in uh I was there a couple times, one of them being 2012. So, you know, not the not the best memories for me, but it is my number one uh field hey, on my list. Your brother won an MVP that year. That's not too terrible. <laughs> True. Um dude, those signs, by the way, were so fun and incredible. Do you have a favorite sign? And for those that don't remember, these signs were 
all over the place. Hunter Pence, and, and my favorite was Hunter Pence catches a fly ball and says sorry. Like, they were all <laughs> over the map. Do you have a couple that stick out to you that you yeah. were like, okay, that's great? Yeah, I definitely have a couple that were pretty funny. I loved in, in Milwaukee, they said that Hunter Pence chooses hamburger in the hot dog race. Uh, there, there was, a, there was a, at the time the song was like really, really big. Uh, you know, I'm all about that bass, about that oh, bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that song? Yeah, I can't sing, so I'm sorry for that. But someone, uh, one was like, Hunter Pence is all about that treble. And uh, I like that. You know, uh, Hunter Pence is sponge worthy was a good one. Uh, any Seinfeld fans out there? <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, what was there was there, there was just so many clever ones um but those were those were a couple that like really you know uh, the hamburger and the hot dog race yeah, was just great. too much for me what happened that uh i forget what year it was and and you've probably told this story a million times but the scooter getting stolen i have never seen it became like worldwide news that your scooter got stolen and it was like a full-on search party it seemed like from the outside is that what was actually happening it was hilarious uh you know like i was actually i was on like probably one of the like second or third date with my now wife alexis and i believe this was yeah this was in 2014 and uh you know i just kind of parked it like outside where we were eating and uh i didn't know the power of social media at the time uh -huh. and all i tweeted was my scooter got stolen, sad face, like the two little dots and the frowny. And then it like that one tweet, I did not know that it was going to blow up into everything that it did. Like people were sending me pictures looking for Hunter's scooter now. We're going to find your scooter. And it's just like, you know, like I'm on a journey to find the scooter. And then like restaurants are being like, free ramen for a year, whoever brings back the scooter, uh, you know, and like, it was like on ESPN ticker, Hunter Pence scooter, scooter stolen, Hunter Pence scooter returned to police department. Like it was like, yeah, national news, national baseball news. And by the way, we ended up uh, selling the scooter. We repainted it, fixed it up, got it. Cause it was kind of broken down when it got back. Uh, and we sold it for, to make a wish for like 35,000. So. Wow. Someone, That's awesome. someone bought it and don't donated the, the proceeds to make a wish. So, so it has a, it has a happy ending. Yeah. It worked out. All right. So some fun questions I want to ask you before we finish up Hunter. Um, first of which being other than now Oracle park, what was your favorite stadium to, to play in and to go to? You know, it's obvious, like as a, as a hitter, it's fun to go to the parks you hit well in, Yeah. Uh, you know, so before the humidor, Arizona was really fun to go to. I've always loved Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's clubhouse, like if I was to have a man cave, is like that clubhouse. They have like <laughs> pinball machines. They have leather couches, magazines everywhere, all the sports on, different TVs. Uh, I really think uh, Rosie does a great job. And, and like all of their snacks are like perfect. I'm like, I can't wait to get to the ballpark in Milwaukee and just <laughs> hang out in the clubhouse while watching all the film uh and you know but all of them are unique and, and special but those were the two that uh yeah i don't know why it was milwaukee for me i think it's just that you had a long career many years playing a lot of time in the big leagues so this one might not jump out to you immediately or maybe it will who is the toughest pitcher that you have ever faced so there, there's two, maybe three, like that, that really stand out. Cause like a lot of times you'll watch pitches and you'll go in your brain and be like, all right, this is how I hit that. Um, these three pitchers threw, threw some balls that I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Cause it's moving <laughs> three directions. Uh, but it was Lincecum in his prime when he was throwing 101, moving three feet in. And then he threw me a left handed curveball from the right handed like his split finger broke like a left-handed curveball. Like oh. I just was like, what the hell? I've never <laughs> seen a righty's ball break that hard. Uh, how did he do that? Uh, and then, uh, so let's come in. His prime was insane. Uh, I think there was a window of Jake Arietta that was yep. really, really tough on righties. I mean, he had like a 0.6 over like a two year period and it was like stepping sideways, throwing 97 and, and the ball would like start, this direction take a turn this direction and cut down um and then he also had the cutter off of that so uh he was really tough in that in that little two-year window and then um mike adams i believe it was was a reliever that had another just like circus yeah. pitch uh there was a he i think he went over to the rangers when they lost yeah he's at the rangers and, yeah 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 he uh 
he when he was with the Padres and, and went over to the Rangers team, he had some like really nasty fastball that my mind couldn't fathom how to hit it. So I was hoping he walked me. Dude, Lincecum was for a, yeah. for that period of time where he was he was on top of the world. It was unlike anything that I have ever seen. It was incredible. It was awesome. It was awesome. And yeah, and we had the same agent. And he when we before we faced each other. He said he was going to strike me out three times. And I think I went 0 for 4 and like didn't strike out or struck out once. And I was like, yeah, he didn't strike me out <laughs> yeah! three times. I put him in play. <laughs> there is every once in a while you have those guys on the mound that you're like, all right, I'm just going to try and put it in play and and beat it out. Um, next up would be, let's, are you, are you superstitious? How do you have any superstitions that you had when you were playing? I wouldn't say that I'm like hyper superstitious, but I believe in vibes. So yeah, I definitely would like, like I remember in Cincinnati uh, in 2012, when we won our first game, everyone was like, everyone wear the same thing. Nobody <laughs> changed. So we all wore the same thing to the, the whole team. Uh, but I wasn't going to mess with anything like that. Right. So am I superstitious? No, but will I do some vibey things? Yeah, I'll do anything for the vibe. The baseball gods are real and you can't mess yeah. with them. You got to, you got to keep the vibes rolling when they're rolling Hunter where did the uh where did your style on the field come from I mean you kind of started you see it around the league now like I wore I had high socks but yours were different you went like above the knee where did that come from and, and how did that start so there's a couple things here um a it started with really bloody knees and like, I was just like skinned up on both knees and the pants at the time had, were like this thick, tight rubber band. So it was just mm -hmm. squeezing on a flesh wound and it was just miserable. And I was like, I just need some relief. So, excuse me, I pulled them above my knee and tried to like fold it over. So like, mm -hmm. you couldn't really tell, or at least I thought you couldn't tell, but the relief was amazing. And then when I ran, I was like, oh my God, the pants aren't tugging at my knee. I feel faster. And I used to joke with everyone and I, I would, I would call myself super speed. And, and like, <laughs> so I was like, you know, when you got super speed, you got to get the pants out of your way. It's like, I'm like a wide receiver out here. That's how the wide receivers wear it. So that's sure. kind of how I joked it off, but it started with bloody knees and then it just became really comfortable. I was like, I, I, I as you can see, I, 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 I live for comfort and, and, and I'm a little OCD. So once you get used to a certain thing, uh, on a baseball field, I wanted to feel the same every time. So I just loved how it felt running. I felt faster and uh, it was, it was just strictly functional. Is there a game for you? And I like to ask guys this because you had obviously a super successful big league career, almost 250 big league home runs. Is there a game to you at the big league level, college, high school, little league that steps out to you as, oh my God, that was the best game I ever played. Oh no, no, I don't think so. I, I think like more than anything would just be like, did we win or how important, like obviously uh -huh. like any, any clincher games like stand out when you make the postseason and baseball was like such a big deal, especially how few teams were out there. And for me, I only made the postseason, you know, three times, I believe. So um it or four i think it was four yeah so i think just clinchers um obviously some little league games that we won like the different little league world series that were out there and so and the vibes um, were high that's what that's when the yeah best I, I i just yeah because like that's the thing about baseball is like you every game my whole goal was like whatever it takes to win today and then i like and, and to get to the postseason like i played the game to be a world series champion that's what i that was what all my focus was on um that's what I love. I just wanted to be the best and I wanted to be a part of the best team. So for me, I wasn't ever like locked into like, what did I do? It was like, how can I help us win today? And so I was always in that mindset of like, let's find a way to win today. What do I got to do? And I never really remembered like what happened or whatever. I just got onto the next game. Speaking of vibes, how did the, there was like this yes movement that I feel like you started. It was incredible. Where did, how did, how did that start? Okay, so I didn't start that. That was actually a wrestler, Daniel Bryan, but I didn't know that. Um, what happened was I was watching YouTube and it was the off season of 2013 and I, I was doing a bunch of like mental work and stuff. And I, yeah. I'd watched, uh, it was Michigan State won the Rose Bowl and Rich Homie Kwan was there. And so it was, I was like, this is the craziest celebration ever. At the time, some type of way was the song. And I was just watching him do that and the whole Michigan State go crazy. And then when they finished, this one lineman got down and like 
loaded up and everyone got down and then they just went, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and obviously, obviously. And I was like, I, in that moment, I was like, all right, I have a vision. I want to, and I started dreaming of like getting the whole stadium to do the yes movement. And I was like, I was like, I, that's my dream is to get that to happen. And it turned into, and obviously I think the pirates were doing the same thing, but I didn't even know it. Cause I really wasn't watching, but we had these hitters groups where we were like challenging each other for the months. And we named our team, the yes movement. And we started when our, our, our hitting group, it was like me and Morse. And then I think Buster was on another one. Pablo was leading another one. Whenever our team hit a homer, we started coming in doing the yes thing. <laughs> and then they asked me to speak on the last day and we were in the wild card game. So I was like, I'm going to get everyone on board. I'm going to see if I, I'm, I'm just going for it. Maybe they do it. Maybe they don't, but like, I'm going to try to plant a seed in their minds that we're coming back, mm -hmm. that we're going to have a parade. Cause I'm very big into the, the myth, your, your, your imagination. Right. I was like, if I can get the whole stadium to yes, that we're coming back and to yes, that they want to see a parade and yes, that they're going to believe and they're going to wear their orange belt, that they're going to wear the same shirt like we did in Cincinnati, then I'm going to do it because I think that it's powerful. And that was kind of, I just shot my shot and then somehow we answered. You, you were Ted Lasso before Ted Lasso. You just got to believe. Yeah, you do. You do have to believe. No one can change how what you believe about yourself. So your self-concept to me is everything. So I remember Santiago Casillas saying this. He goes, he goes, nobody believes it. He's like, we're winning the world. He said this in Pittsburgh. He said, nobody believes it, but we know it. We're going to win the World Series this year. And like, that was <laughs> that was so powerful. He like, you know, it's just like, we are the only ones that define what we think about ourselves and like Santiago believed and he knew it. He's like, we're winning it. And he, it was so cool. So uh, pretty special times. You know, just hearing you talk about you're, you're clearly very in tune with the mental side of the game. And in my opinion, and, and I've said this a lot, once you get to the professional level, everybody can hit, everybody can throw. It's the mental side of things that can really separate you. And I, and I did struggle with that. I would go over four and then let it get to me and it would snowball. The mental side is huge. How did you go about managing the mental side of your game? Were you a guy that would be on deck and, and you, you know, you're visualizing what, what you're going to do in the bat? How did you manage the mental side of the game? Because I feel like you would be incredible at it and, and we're really good at it. I mean, it, it was a progression and it, and it was always changing and it was, it became a passion of mine. Like it was, it's, it was my favorite thing to do. Um, I would say like, you have to be free up there and you have to be like the detachment was the hardest thing because in baseball, everything is results. Now, like I said, in the Dominican, we have to win today. We have to win today. We have to get a hit right now. And that's just not, you know, possible. It's not right. reality. And so to me, like learning detachment, like what, what is a, a great at bad is like, I trust my process. I get, I, I do every little thing that I can to be prepared and ready. And then I have to be free because once again, a thinking mind is a heavy bat. So to me, oh, yeah. it would be like, I, I would, I would, I'd love this one saying, and this is going to be a little bit of a longer story. Um, but I was watching this guy and, and actually it was in 2019 new year's. And he said, I see all y'all mad at me saying that 2019 is going to be my year. He's like, why is that making you mad? Because I said, 2018 was going to be my year. He said, guess what? 2019 is going to be my year. And if not, so what? 2020 will be my year. And if that's not my year, then the next year. But I'm going to believe it's going to be my year. And I don't know why you would be mad at me for saying that. And I hope it's your year too. <laughs> and so like, I was like, well, that's such a cool concept. Why not just like, and I, I took it a little bit further. Every at bat, I was like, this is going to be my at bat. I'm going to take him deep. I'm ready. I trust it. And if not, so what? Like even better, I'm going to get him the next time or I'm going to go make the play. So I just like, I, I started creating this like, it, it, it's, I believe it's going to happen and I don't care if it doesn't and I'm going to go with everything I have. So just like, that was it for me is like, okay, like I'm coming for it. I expect it. And if it doesn't happen, I don't care. Like I can't, I'm going to come at you again. If it doesn't happen, then it's like, to me, it's like, then it's, I'm meant to go a different direction. That was kind of my, my thought process. I like that. I wish I had that. Maybe, maybe I'll come back season. Maybe I'll restart with that, that mindset. It would certainly MLB help. the show, baby. This is going to be my game. This is my game. Nobody's taking it from me. That's right. If you were, um, if you weren't a baseball player, what would you have been? What would Hunter Pence have been if he wasn't a baseball player? No idea. No idea. Maybe a no. surfer. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't, it's tough to really say, but, um, I'm, I'm hoping now that I'm not playing baseball, 
uh, to, you know, to obviously be a broadcaster, but my, my, my main dream now is to plant as many trees as I can, clean up as much of the ocean as I can. Uh, I, I would say environmentalist or, or being involved in the earth and healing the earth and restoring and reforestation is like my biggest passion. So hopefully I'd be some huge gardener. That would be the dream. <laughs> uh, all right. Last, last one for you. If you could put together a BP group, it's you and four others. And it can be because they're the greatest of all time. It could be because they're funny. And it could just be because, Ben, I just like them. Who would be the BP group and four other guys that you would put in it with you? I mean, unfortunately, it's going to be some of the ones I got to play with. Like, for me, it's it's Morse. It's Bumgarner. Um, <laughs> uh, who's who's Pablo? Like, that's like the, the my all-star BP group just because they're so fun. They love hitting homers. Carlos Lee was fun to hit with too, because we would do uh, oppo homers for dinner. Whoever hit the most oppo homers had to buy dinner. And uh, that was always a fun time as well. J Jason Michaels was another BP homer guy. That was really fun. Did you ever get one into McCovey Cove and BP? Because I know a righty hasn't officially landed one in McCovey Cove in a game. Oh, did it, heck did it, no. It never heck happened no. in BP either? Yeah, no. Hitting an oppo homer in BP was hard. It was like, it was like, <laughs> depressing trying to go oppo in san francisco so uh like i, I know for that those eight years like i took right field out of my mind it was like if it's in the air to right you're just out like and <laughs> so they had the wind tunnel so it was just bouncing back and just a brick curtain a steel curtain so i remember when i went to texas i was like whoa it's been so long since i've hit a ball in the air to right and been like that's a good swing <laughs> um, okay, and, and lastly, I want to talk about what you and Alexis have going on with Pineapple Labs. It's really cool. I've gotten some, gotten some of your stuff before. Talk a little bit about Pineapple Labs, how it came to be, and where people can, can find it. Yeah, the Pineapple Labs is a passion project, and uh, it's a collaboration, obviously, with uh, me and my wife, but she's the forefront, the creator. The, she puts everything heart and soul. Uh, some months we do for charity, like uh, I think last month we did one, one tree planted, all the, the profits went to one tree planted. Some months we're just selling and doing different things. So uh, thepineapplelabs.com, we're switching up the coffees, we're having different themes. Um, man, I uh, May Pearl, I believe is what we got this, uh, this month for May. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna be a good coffee. I forget exactly what it comes, what comes with, but it's gonna be great coffee. Um, <laughs> You know, our, our roaster, they got they got sixth in the nation at the barista, the Ooh. world barista championship. So David Buer. Uh, so we have we have some uh, successful competition copies that, that we're selling. And it's uh, it's definitely a fun time. That's awesome. Well, please tell her I said hello. We spent some time in the stands watching you play some baseball over the past year. So tell her I said hi, Hunter. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me, man. Obviously, the accolades on the field are awesome, but I mean this. You are an awesome dude, an awesome person. It's been great getting to know you. So thank you so much for joining me, man. Ben, that's too kind. I appreciate the time. And thanks for doing the homework. I know you had to do a lot of work to give that interview. That's some crazy deep knowledge. So I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thanks. See ya. That was an absolute blast. What a guy. What a legend. I'm pumped he was able to join me. This has been another episode of Flippin' Bats. Thank you all so much for joining me. Make sure you're followed, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, all that good stuff. Rate it five stars if you can. That really helps us out. And we're all on social media, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode is available on video via YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod. Check that out. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I will be back Thursday, a live episode of Flippin' Bats that will release later. I appreciate you all for listening, and I will see you next time on Flippin' Bats.